0: You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Daily Emerald Gaming Week in Review Podcast. My name's Christopher Berg.
0: And I'm Matt Brock. And
1: we're here to break down some of the biggest stories from the past week uh, from the world of video games. Uh, so, to start off, I think the one story that kind of caught my eye the most this week, uh, probably the most surprising thing to happen, uh, came from an investor in call from good old Disney, purveyors of... Uh, literally every entertainment property under the sun, you cannot throw a rock at a movie theater and not hit a Disney property. you also probably get arrested, but that's beyond (laughs) the the point. Uh, So they announced that they are getting out of the video game business wholesale. They're wiping their hands of anything that has to do with video games and just walking away, and that includes the Disney Infinity line, which, if you're unfamiliar, were the sort of plastic action figures that would come bundled with playsets for a larger video game. You put them on the portal of power, the little character shows up in the game, and then, you know, you're Elsa and you're throwing ice balls around. I haven't seen Frozen. But it seemed to be a very, you know, popular, well-liked game. So hearing that Disney canned it outright was, again, definitely a big shock for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it's kind of surprising. From my experience, like, Disney games aren't haven't been exactly bad. I mean, there was Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2, from my understanding, those weren't really what gamers were looking for, but for Disney fans, they were okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I never I followed the development of Epic Mickey very closely because the initial concept art for that game was this really sort of dark, kind of gothic take on all these rejected Disney characters and then Mickey Mouse gets thrown into their world and it was kind of weird and twisted in a way that didn't manifest in the final game but still that concept was exciting to me and kind of kept me with that franchise even if the games weren't that great Uh, so yeah they announced that they are cutting off the Disney Infinity line Pretty much immediately, so they will not be having uh, any new figures beyond, I think, a few sets for the next Alice in Wonderland movie, and then uh, that's the end of the line. And uh, looking at a report from Kotaku that was published shortly after, it seems like the, you know, death knell for Disney Infinity wasn't necessarily the game sales. It seems like it was selling relatively fine. The issue is they just made too many damn toys,
0: So it's like, imagine what Nintendo does, but the exact opposite. Mm. Instead of making just a couple and having your fans fight over them, you just drown your fans in them and then no one wants them. Exactly.
1: Uh, According to this report, uh, Disney produced two million figures of the Incredible Hulk (laughs) and sold maybe half of them. And I think that, you know, I can see their enthusiasm. Everyone likes the Hulk. Like probably the the best part of the Avengers movies, you know, big green guys smashing things up. What kid wouldn't want to play as the Hulk? As it turns out, there were approximately one million children who decidedly did not want to play as the Incredible Hulk. And additionally, uh, some of the contracts that they well, had specifically with Marvel... Required them to make figures for just about every character in a film's cast, and uh, the article specifically calls out a small character from Guardians of the Galaxy, Yondu. I think he's the blue-skinned guy. Yeah, same actor who's on The Walking Dead. Produced millions of that figure that no one wanted, just because you know they were legally bound to, and that was the kind of bad business making that ended up making it unprofitable, even with the game selling a pretty decent amount.
0: But yeah, that's kind of disappointing, but, uh, you know, I'm sure Disney will still have a stake in video games. I mean, they own all of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a new couple new Star Wars games coming out. But uh, this probably won't affect stuff like uh, Kingdom Hearts, if you're a fan of that. They'll probably still, like, license out characters and stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's kind of disappointing. I feel like they still had, they had places they could go with it, mm-hmm. but...
1: Yeah. The report also mentions some of the plans they had for uh, the next round of Disney infinity, which would have included the ability to like take star Wars characters and put them in your Marvel playset, and just kind of break down a lot of the artificial walls in those games. Mm. So, you know, it's, Definitely disappointing, but there's a small part of me that is kind of really enthusiastic because, as you mentioned, you know, they're going to keep licensing out their IPs to third-party companies, like what they're currently doing with EA to make uh, Star Wars Battlefront and all the other Star Wars games. So you can easily see a prospect where they're like, well, this, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is sitting right there. We're not making toys off it anymore. Anyone, please just make a good Spider-Man game. That's all oh, I want. please. All I want the last out good. of...
0: Last good Spider-Man game was what? Probably Spider-Man 2 for PlayStation?
1: Spider-Man 2, the only good Spider-Man game. And that's that's super disappointing because if you look at, you know, Batman has had what, like, four fantastic games just in the past couple years and, you know, everything on the side of Marvel has just been like, well, it's either, it comes with a plastic figure that costs like 20 bucks if you want to play as Iron Man, or it's based in Lego Town and, you know, you're playing as little Lego Spider-Man and those games are fine, but I just want a real yeah. good Spider Man.
0: All the Lego games are really niche, but mm-hmm. kind of on that topic, you got to consider at least for Disney Xfinity, all the um, like competition they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the new like Lego game that's like the same thing. That's really cool from what I've seen of it. You know, you can cruise down the Yellowbrick Road Road, the Batmobile mm-hmm. with Gandalf and everybody. Yeah,
1: they seem to nail a lot of the sort of cross universe stuff that yeah. Disney never really was able to uh, get the rights for.
0: And then there's uh, there's Skylanders, which I don't get it honestly, but that's incredibly popular from popular from what I've seen.
1: I still remember when Skylanders was just, hey, here's this weird thing that Activision is doing with the Spyro license, and everyone yeah. was like, <laughs> Well, this seems crazy, no one's gonna want this. And everyone wanted it, as it turns out. Kids kids like little plastic figures that show up in video games.
0: And they like video games. They like them Let's a combine
1: lot. the two. Exactly. It's magical. Uh, so, uh, you know, a fond farewell for Disney infinity, uh, hopefully, you know, everyone involved with those games able to find development elsewhere. Again, there are other toys to life as the, that's the term they always use for those games. They call them <laughs> toys to life. It's the most, it's this weird, like super, you know, marketing savvy term for something that should be magical. Like it's, yeah. it's so weird, but yeah, hopefully all those people, you know, find future employment and on kind of a similar note, because Disney Infinity, you know, had this huge element of creation to it. Uh, another creation based game kind of got the axe to its neck this week as well, uh, which I had honestly kind of forgotten, <laughs> forgot existed.
0: Yeah, I did, too. It's if you don't know, it's Project Spark. It was, for me, the only reason I cared anything at all about the Xbox One. Like, it's this big, like, open sandbox. You could be like, Xbox One, create me a desert desert. Planets filled with ancient ruins, and then it would be like, boop, 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 boop. it's like, all right, turn it to night, and, and that's what they were pitching. But you know, gradually we heard less and less about it, and now they canned it apparently with. You know, no ceremony, mm-hmm.
1: so. Yeah, I, the last thing I heard about Project Spark, I want to say it was at the last, their last E3 conference, they kind of trolled everyone by having a Conker from Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, yeah. Sort of that beloved rare character who then weirdly went to Microsoft, like, showed up at the end of a Project Spark trailer when everyone was like, oh, snap, new Conker. And then the news was, you can now play as Conker in Project Spark, and people, you know, were yeah. not happy. People
0: were not happy. Not yeah.
1: satisfied. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's definitely disappointing because Project Spark again had a lot of potential. It seemed like people, the few people who were making content in that game, were making some uh, interesting stuff. But it definitely didn't have sort of the cultural hype around it because mm. I feel like you still see people making interesting things with Super Mario Maker or even Little Big Planet.
0: And here's the thing you have to consider: Microsoft owns Minecraft, which is the you know ground zero of all this creative game stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,
1: I do wonder if that factored into their decision. They're like, well, you know, we were going after the Minecraft audience with Project Spark, so what value does this hold anymore? But, yeah, I think it's certainly disappointing because game creation in Minecraft, you know, it always feels a bit haphazard. Like, mm. it feels like you're not meant to do it. You're just kind of, yeah. you know, very roughly holding things together with duct tape and, you know, force of will.
0: Yeah, Minecraft is it's a really decent game. The problem is it's so clunky and really not you know it's a pc game from 10 years ago and yet everyone's trying to run it you know capitalizing on its popularity by running it on the latest and greatest console Mm. it's you know it's far as far as gaming goes it's the biggest phenomenon
1: since the wii it's i i go even further like i remember when minecraft first you know started gaining some mainstream popularity and in my head, I was like, man, this is going to be bigger than Pokemon. And mm. were I, you know, an investing man back in 2010, I would have been like, I need to find a way to invest in Mojang. Man,
0: if I could have gotten know,
1: a bit of that three billion Microsoft payday, but six no years
0: foresight, lie. I would have been on YouTube doing Minecraft videos from yep. the start. I'd be just rolling in the you'd cash be, by now. You'd
1: be literally driving I'd have my own
0: action figure, you know, T-shirts. You would, you would you be think- in Minecraft you think I'm kidding? Check the toy aisle of your local Walmart. Do they have
1: like Let's Play brand branded figures? I have not yeah. seen that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the thing.
0: They have uh, stuff like Captain Sparkles. Uh, I think the Yawks cast have some. I don't think I think those are online only, but just go to the toy aisle and there's all kinds of like famous YouTuber action figure.
1: That is that is really a crazy thing that I don't think a lot of people think about because I think for a lot of people in our generation, when we think about kids' media, it's still like, oh, hey, you know, they're probably just watching whatever's on Nickelodeon or, Mm. you know, other Cartoon Network stuff. But it honestly seems like the kids of this generation do not give a crap about anything on TV. It's either they're watching things on Netflix or they're going through YouTube watching – uh you know let's play videos or just other content and yeah it's really it's really kind of weird because you know it's the first time where it can look at something that the kids now are doing and i mean like what are you you're all crazy you know <laughs> i'm not i'm not wrong the children are wrong
0: i don't know i like for me at least like i was a really big fan of you know like the yachts cast when they were doing like their little like role play series and stuff and like it's so weird because I get the kids it's like yeah I know why you appreciate this I know why you're so hyped for this and then I'll try to explain it to their parents and they're like you're just as crazy as this little yeah. kid Yeah I,
1: I I can understand it like I watch a handful of you know let's play style mm-hmm. stuff so I see some of the appeal but still the scale of it is something I have a hard time believing cuz again you know PewDiePie the guy the Swedish guy who screams at oh, horror games God. has you know more subscribers than Beyonce like the 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 level of popularity some of these people have is always, you know, hits me with a bit of envy, but also just pure confusion sometimes.
0: I mean, it's just fascinating. It's such a like incredible culture that sprang up so Mm. quickly.
1: And I think the main thing that sort of came through is like it's not only, you know, people that had easy access to YouTube and Mm. all this stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there's a swath of people all of a sudden having webcams and having easy access to game recording. Like, yeah. you can see that on the latest generation of consoles. All of that stuff is inherently baked in. You can export things to YouTube in oh, two yeah. clicks of a button. I'm playing Uncharted 4, and the best part of that game for me is you can pause the action at any time, enter a camera mode, and, like, put little Instagram filters on the action, like, mm. change the depth of field. Like, it gets to... It, it, Like lights up the part of my brain that like it hasn't been lit up since high school photography class. I'm like, I'm gonna line up the shot all nice and put in black and white sepia tone, and you can just easily post that to Twitter instantly. And it's it's an interesting sort of paradigm shift for how people you know play and express their love for video games because it's you know a very public, very social thing now.
0: Yeah, the, the, the the way the thing I would liken it to is I used to play video games with my dad, and of course you know I would be like eight nine ten years old and you know I don't have the mental capacity I have any idea what I'm doing so I just watch my dad play and I think I would like it liken it to that and you know you're part of the gaming experience even though you're not actually playing it's kind mm-hmm. of like I I would say it's really personality based. You you seek out like the whatever Let's Player of choice based on, oh, this guy is cool. He tells Mm -hmm. all these cool anecdotes or I just like his reactions to things. And that's that's a big thing for Let's Play is a lot of people aren't watching, you know, to watch the game or anything. They're watching for, you know, their YouTube celebrities reaction Mm -hmm. to the game.
1: Yeah, you definitely get this vibe of like, oh, hey, you're just hanging out at someone's house and they're playing a video game. And, you know, there's a bit of a conversation going on. So I definitely understand why people are baffled by it because – from the outside, you're just watching someone else play a video game, and yeah. you know where's the appeal in that. But at the same time, I'm also somebody who uh, it was last week. Uh, Giant Bomb, a site that's you know not quite on the let's play spectrum, mm. did a five-hour stream where they just played a 50-turn game of Mario Party 6. And I was <laughs> captivated for again all five hours of it. You know, so there's certainly something to this. You know, sort of new way of consuming games. Not just as interactive entertainment, but spectator entertainment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we can move on. The other yeah. biggest piece of news yeah. these days. Is, yeah, the uh,
1: other p- biggest piece of news, and one that also kind of lit up the Let's Play community somewhat, is there's a new Pokemon game on the horizon, and we now know the three little furry animals you can choose between.
0: And some of them are more popular than others, let's just say that.
1: It is amazing. Like, I posted it on Twitter. Like, it seemed like two hours after the starters were revealed, you know, the internet split into there was, so the three starters, there's Rowlet, he's a tiny little ball owl, and he's got a a bow tie, it's a leaf, he's adorable. Little pygmy owl. Little pygmy owl. You have Lytton, who's just like a house cat, and... He's also weirdly also kinda of got a bow tie. It's like made of
0: flames. Yeah, he has he does this weird thing, like he's a fire Pokemon, and whenever he like, you know, uses a fire attack, like the like the like spines come up on his back, you know, like mm. when cats like bristle. I thought that was kind of neat.
1: Yeah. And he also has this face on his look that is the perfect expression of a cat that like he just <laughs> doesn't want you to be there. Like he's just kind of pissed Com- off about
0: everything. Complete and total apathy.
1: I'm I'm very much into Litten, the the pissed off cat. And then the one that no one likes is Popolo who is a seal dog thing that's just lame, and he's got a little ball nose, and what's the, even the uh, point, man?
0: I don't know. I think he's all right. As far like, I'm a little disappointed that they use the seal Pokemon as a starter, considering they have so many different, like, seal Pokemon already. Yeah. But, I don't know. I I think we have to wait to see what his evolution's going to be, because it seems like they could do some really cool stuff with that.
1: You could certainly, you know, make it into something interesting, but I feel like, you know... Starter Pokemon are the thing that I feel like gets people in to the world of Pokemon Mm. because they, you know, they see those three options and everyone can pick a team immediately. They get behind it. It, Like, there's a reason why... when the starter news broke out, that's when people started talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon, which is the name of the game we haven't even mentioned at this point. <laughs> you know, there's a reason that's when people really got into the conversation rather than the initial reveal, which, you know, sure the hardcore fans were following that early news and were excited about it, but it's not until right now when we, you know, we see the new little monsters that we start talking about Pokemon and getting excited about it, start drawing up all the fan art and just sort of going over the moon for it.
0: But uh, moving on from that, uh, not just the uh, starters were revealed, but they were both they revealed both the new legendary Pokemon, mm-hmm. which is a big white lion and what appears to be a giant bat, mm-hmm. which uh, they look alright. I mean, I've seen better legendaries. I'm pretty partial to the X and Y legendaries, mostly the Deer one myself. But
1: mm. uh, yeah, uh, in addition to revealing the legendaries, they also gave some details on the uh, location that the game takes place yes. in. Which, for the first time, is sort of based not in Japan or an Asian country, but rather uh, the island of Hawaii. Now, please correct me on that last (laughs) statement.
0: Yeah, you're not as into Pokemon as I am. I Mm -hmm. remember X and Y were based uh, in France, I believe, and then uh, Black and White, and then Black and White Two were based in um, like the East Coast America. I'm pretty sure, like New York, for the most part. But uh, this is probably the most exotic location they've based a the game on so far. This is going to be basically based on Hawaii is what we've gathered so far. But uh, I'm pretty excited for it. It's kind of a... There have been a lot of Hawaiian-themed like areas in Pokemon games, but not really like a whole Hawaiian-themed like region.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an interesting theme that they are kind of committing to for a full game. Because I feel like when we see island locations in games, it's a one-off stop. It's mm-hmm. like, okay... Again, to bring up Uncharted 4, because I've been playing a lot of that game, so it's on my mind. Like, there's one section where you go to the tropical island, and it feels like, okay, hey, here's where we get out all of the island tropes. You know, here's where you (laughs) see the palm trees and nice beaches, all that stuff. So setting an entire game there uh, probably presents an interesting opportunity where they can go deep on that theme rather than just making it sort of a one-off visual thing.
0: Yeah, I am kind of curious because uh, you know, how are they gonna include ice Pokemon this generation mm. when you're on a tropical island? Is Wouldn't there, they
1: just melt? Isn't it? Yeah. is not Is it, not it gonna the question? be
0: there just happens to be a massive mountain on the <laughs> island that has a snowfall? Or yeah. you
1: know, like, oh, it just so happens this tropical island includes all of the major biomes to support Pokemon, so they're all here, don't worry.
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty excited. I'm hoping they take it in kind of more of a more hardcore direction than they did X and Y and then the remake of Ruby and Sapphire. Just because if you played uh, Pokemon uh, Black 2 and White 2, you know that uh, X and Y was a pretty big step back, like game-wise. Uh, in Pokemon Black and White 2, you could enter the Pokemon World Tournament, which you could fight any trainer in the entire game, any of the Elite Four in the right game. You could fight the other champions, you could fight Red for Pete's sake. Mm. but. uh And then there was another thing where you could go into, like, a random dungeon where you would fight different trainers, you know, you would fight the nurse, and then she heals your Pokemon afterward. And then at the end, you would fight some, like, senior experience trainer who would have a legendary Pokemon, and it would be a crazy difficult fight. But uh, X and Y too didn't have any of that, which was just a real step backward and really disappointing for me, who's a big Pokemon fan, but more of a fan of, like, the challenging Pokemon games. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've played Pokemon Emerald... You're gonna get your butt kicked by the first trainer in that game, and I haven't really had a really good. I haven't really had that experience in a Pokemon game since. Mm.
1: And and I do find that interesting because it seems like X and Y, while all the hardcore fans were disappointed, because again, you know, sort of a lack of features, a step back in a lot of ways. That's also when a lot of the mainstream crowd started mm. paying attention to Pokemon again, because you know it was around when uh, X and Y came out. Like everyone on campus started showing up with their 3 ESs and battling Pokemon. And people who I didn't even know were that into video games would be like, yeah, the new Pokemon's coming out. And, you know, I certainly didn't hear them speaking up when, uh, you know, black Black and white were, you know, the talk of the town. So it's definitely an interesting challenge for Pokemon because everyone seems to have familiarity with that series. But oh, yeah. I don't know how deep people want to get into those games because it seems like with each new it- iteration – You know, some things get a bit more complicated. In the case of X and Y, it seemed like they scaled back, and that's when the mainstream audience, you know, really got excited about it again. So I wonder with Sun and Moon where they're going to strike that balance, uh, if they're going to, you know, get deep into those systems and, you know, sort of overwhelm newcomers with all of these new possibilities, or if they will make it a bit simpler and try and attract... A broader mainstream audience yeah
0: well the thing you learn very quickly try if you try to play any pokemon game and try to play like the online battle version you're going to learn very quickly that a lot of people are going to be much better than you mm-hmm. <laughs> because they know how to breed the perfect pokemon with perfect stats with the perfect uh you know attitude to obliterate anyone but mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think the other interesting thing about this game is, you know, we don't know the full release schedule mm-hmm. for, you know, the rest of 2016, 2017 for Nintendo, but there's a very good chance this is going to be the last major 3DS game. Like, yeah. I don't see anything in the future that's going to hit around that time because Nintendo's uh, next console handheld project, the NX, scheduled for March of 2017, so it's, you know, seems likely that this might be the 3DS's swan song to some extent. Although I guess didn't Black and White Two come out on the DS
0: while came, the 3DS was already out? It came out on the. It was really weird. It came out and it worked for the three or for the regular DS, and then for the 3DS, it had like extra features, like you could get this like downloadable content. But.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that will be an interesting game to go out on because you know. Uh, I feel like Pokemon is kind of an evergreen thing. People will buy that and not need a new console for a year. They'll just be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pokemon. I can spend 300 hours in this. Yeah. You're going to Pokemon games, minimum
0: 100 hours. Mm-hmm. Good
1: luck. <laughs> so uh, I think that about wraps up all the big news for this week. So yep, we're going to go ahead and let you guys go. Uh, again, I'm Christopher Berg. And I'm Matt Brock. This has been a Daily production. And see you all this time next week.